Well, hello everyone. Welcome back to the Marina President and Podcast. Today we have a very special guest. Uh, some of you might already know him, Mr. William Deer, the author of the book Being Chinese in Canada, as well as the co-director of multiple documentary films such as Moving the Mountain and Jean Zupayi, The Chinese of Quebec. And today, in light of uh, Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month, uh, he will be discussing the topic of anti-Asian hate with me and Fei Yang. Uh, so without further ado, uh, let's get started. Um, hello, Mr. Deer. Could you give us a self-introduction? Okay, um, there, there, there's not much to tell. Uh, I'm a Chinese Canadian. I was born in China. Uh, I came here uh, when I was very young. Uh, my grandfather actually came to Canada in uh, 1909. Uh, he had to pay the $500 head tax, and as uh, did my father, uh, who came uh, uh, in 1921, and he had to pay the uh, $500 head tax, and. My family, like most uh, families of that era, uh, were also separated uh, by the uh, Chinese Exclusion Act. In 1923, uh, the Canadian government, uh, seeing that the head tax uh, did not prevent Chinese from coming into Canada, passed a law to uh, to prohibit all Chinese immigration uh, into, into Canada, and that's with the Chinese Exclusion Act. And so my family was separated for about three decades, up until 1947, when the uh, Chinese Exclusion Act was repealed, I guess, uh, due to international pressure, because Canada wanted to join the uh, uh, the League of Nations or the United Nations at that time to sign the uh, Declaration of uh, Universal Human Rights, uh, which demanded that all participating countries uh, remove uh, discriminatory uh, legislation from their books, uh, so Canada had to do that. And also at that time, uh, Chinese Canadian veterans who fought in the Second World War uh, came back to Canada and demanded equal rights, wanted the right to vote, wanted the right to be citizens, uh, and so on. So, uh, so after that, my father was able to uh, get his uh, Canadian citizenship and was able to bring. Uh, his family here to Canada to join him. Uh, he he was working as a laundryman in in Verdun, uh, Verdun part of uh, of Montreal, and so that's where I grew up. I grew up in Verdun, and um, so uh, throughout uh, my youth, uh, I, I was seeking uh, an explanation as to uh, what happened to my family. Uh, my father was uh, <laughs> was able to explain it to himself uh, very well by by saying, "Well, what happened to us is because we're Chinese." You know, that was the only form of uh, anti-Asian, anti-Chinese uh, racism here in Canada. In fact, for 62 years, uh, we had these two laws in the uh, Canadian legal system uh, to decriminalize or to criminalize. Uh, Chinese uh, for being Chinese with the head tax and the um, and the Chinese Exclusion Act. Um, so uh, I was able to, I guess, to understand uh, what happened uh, to my family and myself by looking at the uh, system here in Canada, at the economic system, uh, the political system, the ideological system here in Canada, and that's where I wrote that. Um, the uh, concept of the yellow peril, uh, which is being revived today uh, in the form of 
physical and mental and uh, and verbal attacks against Asians. Uh, it's a revival of the old uh, yellow peril uh, that was, um, I guess, dreamed up by by the uh, Western colonial powers uh, after um, pretty much after the uh, first Opium War. I think that happened in 1839 and then the second Opium War in 1856. Uh, the yellow peril was dreamed up by 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 the Western uh, colonial powers uh, to justify uh, psychologically and culturally uh, why they were able to uh, attack uh, China. Well, not just China at that time, but the yellow peril uh, applied specifically uh, to China. And it was an excuse uh, or justification as to why uh, the Chinese were uh, inferior and less uh, Less human than than the uh, than the European uh, colonial powers. So um, I guess in terms of my own uh, history, uh, throughout my youth, uh, university days, I uh, I was a, a militant. Uh, I was an agitator, a propagandist, but I still maintained my principles of uh, fighting for justice, uh, fighting for uh, equality, and denouncing racism wherever I see it. Okay, that's uh, great to hear. Uh, so my first question is would be uh, regarding the history of AAPI communities. You already uh, talk about um, a, a bit of that um, in your introduction. Um, my first question is, uh, what is the construct or the concept of AAPI community in general? Because I feel like a lot of students will not know uh, that concept because I myself, for example, I'm unfamiliar with the concept of AAPI. Well, neither am I, uh, because I think the AAPI uh, concept uh, was developed uh, mainly by the Americans. And like most things American, uh, it creeps up here into Canada. Explain to me what the initials stand for. Um, I think it stands for Asian uh, American and Pacific Islanders. Yes. Okay. So, so, so it's, it's, a, it's a different situation in the U.S. where they group all Asians together into one group because in the U.S., everybody has to have a color. Everybody has to have a, a racial identity. And, and, and so, uh, so it's so much easier for the white establishment to, to have all the Asians group into one rather than having separate uh, Chinese Americans, uh, Chinese uh, or Vietnamese Americans, Filipino Americans, and so on and so forth. I mean, there's so many uh, Asian communities. And then, of course, uh, the Pacific Islanders, that's another area that the Americans went into uh, to, uh, to colonize. And so, uh, you know, one of the consequences of colonialism is to have immigration uh, into the, uh, into the uh, colonizing country. Because, you know, like it or not, when you go in and exploit, uh, you know, other places in the world, then you uh, also... Uh, you know, instill in these people uh, that that the uh, colonizers' homeland is a paradise. So, but you know, <laughs> do they know? You no. Know, once you start saying that, then uh, the oppressed and the colonized people will start going into these places, and this is what's happening at the Mexican border. And and so the 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 white establishment is doing everything possible. Uh, to try and put a stop to that. So AAPI, I cannot speak to because uh, it is not 
uh, something that I know about. Perfect. Um, then, well, then that's perfectly okay. Then uh, our next question to you is, uh, what is a model minority and how does that concept affect uh, East Asian um, in particular? Well, I guess uh, it, it comes back to, uh, to, to the racism that we face here in Canada. And the moral minority uh, concept is, again, uh, a construct by academics in the United States in the early 70s, I would say. Um, it's because the way immigration works here in uh, Gold Mountain, in North America, Canada, and the U.S., is that, well, actually not so much in the U.S., but it was definitely here in Canada that you can only immigrate into Canada through merit. There were a few people in terms of uh, reunification of families, but most people, uh, especially people from Hong Kong and from uh, Southeast Asia at that time, uh, came to Canada because of the point system that they had the right education, uh, they had the right uh, language uh, proficiency, either uh, English or French, and by having and, and also the right occupation, and so through the point system, uh, they were able to to come to Canada. But at the same time, you know, we had a Chinese Canadian community or Asian Canadian community in Canada over for over a hundred years. So, so I think the uh, the academics they they try to set up uh, these. Okay, so so they, they they invented this term moral minority because uh, it's a minority uh, they can put up as the way minorities should behave, okay? And they, they put up the Chinese Americans or Chinese Canadians as a model for other uh, minorities uh, to, uh, to aspire to, which is a totally false abstract uh, uh, concept because the Chinese Canadian community, like any other community, uh, is not made up of uh, all the high achievers and, and all the, um, you know, the, the 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 elite uh, uh, within the elite establishment, it, it, you know, like other uh, societies, uh, other communities in Canada, the Chinese Canadian community is made up of classes. You know, the majority of our people work day to day uh, jobs in day to day jobs, like uh, in the laundry, in the uh, restaurants, uh, uh, in uh, you know, middle management. Uh, so very few of us uh, make it to the top as the elite. So 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 it's a false uh, concept within the community itself that we are a model community. But mo most pernicious with with this um, uh, setup is that it's it's also to divide the uh, the minorities uh, here in Canada and the U.S. because you have one group that is the model, and then you have the rest who are not morals and who should aspire to this model. So, so, so right away you set up divisions, and and, and these are the divisions that the uh, white establish, establishment would like to exploit. And so, if you're a black person, uh, you know you're not like the Chinese person, or if you're a Chinese person, you're not like. Uh, uh, no, the black person, and 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 so uh, so so there is this division uh, that is uh, taking place here because of this uh, this uh, concept that uh, that's developed 
and putting the, the Chinese at the top of the, uh, the ladder, uh, which uh, we are not and we don't want to be because we should be with all the other minorities in our common struggle you know, for, uh, for equality and, and, and for, for justice. But, but one, I, I shouldn't say it was you know, made, uh, this concept was made up in the 70s. Maybe academic, uh, academically it was, but back in the 1800s, back in 1880, when, when Chinese workers uh, were imported to Canada to build the Canadian Pacific Railway. Canadian, uh, Chinese workers were put up as the mo model minority uh, by the railway bosses because they think that the Chinese workers were the best workers and, and the Chinese workers were willing to work at slave labor wages. So, so to them, this is the model uh, for all minorities and for all immigrants coming to Canada. You, know, you should behave like the Chinese who don't complain, uh, willing to work as, uh, as uh, on, you know, slaves. Uh, and so this is quite a model that they set up. And then in the 70s, I guess the academics uh, sort of took off on that. Yeah, um, I think I want to add up to that. So around the basis of model minority, um, there is a concept bring, bring up called a bamboo ceilings, where um, where uh, where Canadians were uh, American, Asian American who who is from the background of Asian descent had a lower chance of reaching higher top in, in employment. Uh, so recent study of uh, done by the um, Canadian Board of Diversity Council, they saw like there's a decline in the Canada 500 largest companies in the direct the directors on the board and which how do you see this model minority uh, concept has played in roles of inciting the uh, the rise of um, this bamboo ceiling effect in uh, Canada? Okay, the, the bamboo ceiling, I guess, like the glass ceiling, uh, it's it, it's there. It's uh, and you will uh, encounter it uh, when you uh, join the workforce. Because for, for the established corporations, uh, Asians, well, I, I shouldn't speak about all of Asians because I'm, I'm Chinese. So I, I, I can only speak for, for my community or for myself as a Chinese person, is that you will be put into positions of doing the grunt work. Okay, if you join a technology company, you will be hired as programmers uh, to do the coding, to do the 24-hour a day uh, job that uh, requires you to do this, uh, you know, hoping that you will be uh, promoted to the next level of management. But don't be surprised if you're not, because uh, the, the managers or the senior management is composed of people who really think like themselves, who really look like themselves, and who socialize uh, with themselves, uh, apart from the, uh, the racist intent of, of, of what they're doing. So, so the bamboo ceiling, like the glass ceiling for women, uh, it's, it's probably harder to break than bamboo is harder to break than glass. You, know, you can quote me on that. Uh, the um, 
uh, women uh, have been able to uh, break through the uh, the glass ceiling because uh, you know having white women in power is not as uh, bad as having uh, you know Asian or Chinese uh, uh, people in power because uh, there's where the uh, the so-called division uh, comes in. So so in terms of reality, uh, this is what uh, you'll be faced with. Uh, and occasionally you would have people uh, of Asian descent being in in high uh, positions in, in in companies, and it's mainly uh, their own companies uh, that they uh, that they created and they build up. Uh, or companies where they buy into, uh, such as the uh, CEO of uh, of uh, BlackBerry. Uh, you know, he's, he's he's a Chinese person, but uh, you know because of what he did with BlackBerry in the past, uh, they made him the CEO. Um, but you know, uh, I, I, I'm just saying this because as young people, uh, do not be surprised uh, if you're stuck. Uh, in a uh, position, a grunt position, but know know why uh, you are there, uh, because it's not your fault. It's not because of you having not enough ability. It's because that is the way the system is. Uh, my second question is regarding uh, the Asian community in general. So. Um... Uh, you said back in 1880s, uh, the companies, the railway company modeled the Chinese workers as the model minority because they were very sub- submissive. So do you think uh, um, some part of the fall lies in the Chinese community itself beca- being very submissive? Because um, from my own personal experience, or, or, like the general Chinese family sort of just want to uh, their child to get a, a job often in engineering or in IT and then just stay there and then don't aspire to anything like much greater. So, do you think there's some part of the uh, cultural dynamic in play to uh, that uh, contributed to the bamboo ceiling that we talk about? Yeah, uh, probably. I mean, there is probably a cultural element to this. I mean, my thinking is very uh, unusual. You know, uh, I, I don't think that way, but uh, I can understand uh, that the majority of people in our communities think that way. That uh, well, you know, my mother, and my father, they, they both told me, uh, you know, just uh, work hard, keep your head down, don't cause trouble. I, I mean, you know, these who've come from uh, from China, uh, they were professionals in China, engineers, doctors, uh, whatever. And when they come here, they, they can't get a job in, in these professions because of lack of uh, connections, lack of language skills or whatever. And, and so they end up working in a factory. They work there for... Uh, a number of years and, and, and save some money. And, and the Chinese are you know, well known for, for saving money. Uh, they save enough money and they buy themselves a, a little business. And uh, more often than not, they buy themselves a, a debonair. Uh, so, uh, you know, you work harder in a debonair, you can make a little bit more money. But uh, And then, then, you, then you get your kids to, uh, to work there as well. Uh, but, but this is, uh, you know, this is a living, you know, uh, it's a... Uh, and I think uh, you know a lot of people like that uh, in that situation. You have a few who who maybe make it uh, to the top. You have a few who become accountants, who become lawyers, or engineers, or whatever. Uh, even within uh, those uh, professions, um, you know, you can be an accountant and, and, and a lawyer and open up your own uh, business. Uh, it's a little bit more difficult with uh, in engineering because you you need quite a bit of capital to do that. Um, so uh, you know, 
uh, I'm just rambling on here now, uh, but but uh, uh, as an immigrant family, I can understand uh, where they tell you know the the young people to uh, to work hard and and not to uh, create trouble. Yeah. Okay. Understood. Um. Then, Afia, any questions? Uh. Yeah. So I heard you talk about the minority and the the, device, the divisiveness within the、uh, Asian community itself, and how does this lead up to, um, uh, I mean, this is definitely issues with with the bondings, and it's harder for Asian communities itself to fight for its right, and, uh, in I it, examining the the government we have right now, what is the Best way to approach this issue in a systemic level for Asians and other、uh, race minority race within Canada. Well, I think、um, there's been a lot of examples of this,、uh, where the different communities they come together, they make their、uh, voices heard. I mean, today, this morning, you know, I receive、uh, or everybody received the bad news that the.、Uh, Superior Court in Quebec upheld Bill 21,、uh, which you know,、uh, codifies、uh, discrimination within the uh, Quebec uh, legal system. Not allow、uh, people to express their,、uh, you know, themselves, and and excludes people from、uh, being civil servants and being teachers.、Uh, so people have to、uh, fight back. People have to raise their voices. Uh, to demand uh, equality, uh, that that's that's all I can say is that, and we have many examples of people doing that. For instance, within the Chinese Canadian、uh, community, we went through twenty、uh, years, twenty-two years to be exact, a struggle of、uh, of getting an apology for the head tax in the Chinese Exclusion Act, and even today we do not have a complete redress because.、Uh, Uh, thousands, thousands of families、uh, affected by the head tax and the Chinese exclusion act、uh, never got any、uh, compensation, never got any redress for that. So, 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 so that, but, but, but it was a partial、uh, victory, and I think the indigenous peoples are also uh, fighting, uh, you know, to、uh, for、um, for redress.、Uh, but we're still fighting,、uh, you know, to, to get clean drinking water. Uh, for kids uh, within uh, indigenous reserves, and so that that struggle is is ongoing, and、uh, and so the indigenous peoples are fighting, and、uh, I for one is、uh, supporting them in, in their struggle for、uh, for equality as well. Thank you, Henry. Do you have a follow up question to that? Yeah, I actually have some question because、uh, talking about indigenous community and how they are affected in the pandemic, I want to、um, take the conversation back to you. Um, to anti-Asian hate,、uh, especially during the pandemic. So, how's that? How does the how did the pandemic affect um the perception of, of、uh, East Asians? Okay.、Um, when Canada is in a in a situation of、uh, of duress, the government tends to find, or Canadians tend to find scapegoats, and and find an easy、uh, explanation. As to why, I mean, during the Second World War,、uh, Japanese Canadians were locked up in concentration camps, and all their properties were confiscated. So、uh, now, during this pandemic, the Chinese、uh, people are、uh, being accused as、uh, you know, as as the、uh, people who、uh, 
you know, started this pandemic. And so uh, it's a very identifiable, identifiable, clearly identifiable uh, scapegoat uh, for the rest of the population, especially uh, those that are more ignorant and, and racist. Uh, 717% hate, hate crimes were reported, more hate crimes were reported in 2020 over 2019 in Vancouver. So 717%, uh, that's quite an amazing number. Uh, throughout Canada, uh, there were 891 hate crimes reported in uh, 2020. And these uh, range from uh, physical assaults to verbal assaults to spitting uh, at, at people, punches and pushing to the ground uh, by uh, white uh, racist goons uh, on Asian seniors. And for some reason, they like to pick on uh, Asian seniors and and and, and women, uh, you know, these uh, these goons. So 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 that 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 is what's happening. And uh, and I think oh the other one that you know that that also made the head, headline on a higher level is you have this uh, member of parliament Derek Sloan who questioned the loyalty of Canada's chief medical officer Theresa Tam by asking the question, are you working for China or are you working for Canada? So, so imagine that. So at that level, even in, in parliament, you know, you have this degree of racism uh, that, uh, you know, <laughs> that's there. And, and a lot of people uh, see it and some uh, denounce uh, Derek Sloan and others uh, go along with, uh, with what he says. So, so, so this is what we face today. And I think, uh, we, we need unity more than ever. Uh, we need to unite as a community uh, in order to fight back and to voice uh, against, you know, raise our voices against this kind of uh, racism. Yeah. Uh, and again, I think coming back to the still the cultural question, I think, um, so what are some uh, actions that individual uh, young uh, Ch- Chinese or other Asian can take because um, again uh, we come from a culture that's very s- submissive in a way to the higher the, the people in the higher part of the hierarchy so what are some other uh, means that young people uh, Asian people can take to sort of um, create this uh, class consciousness against this sort of racism okay uh, I would suggest the first thing you do is to do the research uh, to know your struggle, where what is the oppression that you're facing? What is the primary contradiction that you need to deal with? And so, so be confident in yourself that you can raise these issues and you can speak to these issues. For instance, you know, if you see something that is not right uh, at Marinopolis, do the research, expose the uh, the wrongdoings, unite with other students, talk to other students uh, to get their support. I mean, you can do it yourself, but it's always more powerful uh, when you have the support of others uh, who understand and and, um, and uh, agree with, uh, you know, with what you're fighting for. Uh, so that's the first thing I would do, is, uh, is to do the research and under, understand your struggle. And secondly, you, you want to organize, uh, as you want to do now, uh, by um, raising it with other people, 
uh, you can start off small with just the two of you. But uh, if if your uh, you know if your explanation of the issues and and your struggle is uh, is a just one, uh, others other students will will come uh, and 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 they they will support you because uh, young people have tendency to uh, to fight for justice. And so if your struggle is just, uh, then uh, you will get the support. Uh, of uh, uh, you know of others, so 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 that's the second thing is to, to to is to organize, and third is to educate. Um, you know, whole forums, whole uh, sessions. Uh, you know, uh, for instance, I I, I was at uh, Marinopolis, I guess about two years ago, uh, to talk about my book. Uh, there weren't too many people there. It was one of these uh, lunchtime, uh, whatever activity things. Uh, but nevertheless, now people that were very interested and they uh, uh, they wanted to do something, and and so you know, just start off with, uh, with one or two people. You know, uh, you, you organize people one at a time. You have meetings one at a time, and uh, if you you know, cause is just, then uh, you eventually. Uh, and I'll get more support. Understood. Well, thank you for for your recommendations for our young students and for myself and for Fei Yan personally. Um, now I want to sort of move back the topic to a more um, governmental level and also the media level. I want to talk about um, and the mechanism that's perpetuating the anti-Asian hate uh, and also racism uh, at both the uh, at the governmental level and also using mass media and newspaper. Well, there, there, there are various, there are different layers to uh, to this question because uh, on the surface, everybody comes out to denounce anti-Asian racism. I mean, nobody in their right mind would say, you know, they they support anti, they support Asian hate and blame the Asians for for the pandemic. Uh, nobody in their right mind would openly come out to to say that. So they do it subtly. I mean, you, when you're bombarded every day with an enemy that's easy to identify and easy to uh, to denounce here in North America, then it has a percolating effect on these on the communities. And what I'm talking about, and I think Henry and I have some uh, you know exchanges on this issue of the demonization of China. And so when you demonize an identifiable target of China. And of course, China has 1.4 billion people, and then you have the Chinese diaspora uh, around the world, which is I don't know, I've forgotten how many now in the, in the tens of millions, and, and and so that's a lot of people to to uh, to demonize, and so you know, uh, and and, I, and I've heard this said, you know, uh, you Chinese people, you know, you don't respect uh, human rights, you. Uh, uh, you, you are communist authoritarian people, and that's how you think. And uh, so, uh, you know, so it's very, very easy uh, to attack uh, Chinese people uh, because of that. Because supposedly here in uh, Canada, uh, you know, we have fair play and uh, human rights uh, for everybody uh, except, I guess, the people who don't have it, like the indigenous people, minorities, and. Uh, and Asians who have been attacked, uh, but but nevertheless, that's you know, that, 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 that's why it, it keeps going. Right? I mean, it's a, it's a gift that keeps keeps uh, giving uh, <laughs> because when you when you write something to attack China, 
uh, it's very easy, and then p- other people want to uh, write the same thing. And and so in the whole mainstream media, you do not find a single article to explain the Chinese point of view. Not a single article in the mainstream media. So the articles you have, like in the Globe and Mail, in the uh, Munchkin Gazette, uh, McLean's Magazine, uh, National Post, uh, all the articles that demonize uh, China. Uh, China is not being forthright. Uh, China is covering up. Uh, chi- uh, China is not transparent, and that's why uh, that's why uh, Trump is you know got into so much trouble with with the pandemic in the United States. You know, so Trump can easily blame it all on China. It's the China virus. So 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 this is where this is the whole background uh, to to make it easy uh, for for white people to uh, target uh, minorities like like the Chinese and now you know they can't tell the difference between a Chinese person and other Asians so so it's it's a global uh, Asian hate uh, that they have and, and and then the papers you know write these stupid things like oh we can't understand. Uh, why there's so much um, hatred against Asians, and at the same time, every day they write these articles, you know, demonizing China. So, so you have an article here saying that China is bad. Uh, China uh, you know, dehumanizes people, and then you have an article over, over here that says, "No, we have to come to terms with uh, Asian hate, anti-Chinese racism here in Canada." And it's the same newspaper and with articles on the same page. On the top, hate China, and on the bottom, stop hating Asians. <laughs> you know, it doesn't really, uh, you know, uh, correlate when, when, when you have th- these kinds of sentiments. Uh, so coming on to the fact that you talk about no article explaining the perspective of China. So as you're sort of an expert on the topic, could you give us an, uh, a, a rundown of the Chinese perspective? Oh, geez, you're asking a lot of me now. I mean, uh, you know, we don't have that much time. (laughs) (laughs) Where do you want to start? Uh, Just very broadly, I guess, then. I I guess the only thing I can say is that uh, after the Second World War, the United States became the major hegemonic power in the world. It had an opposition by the Soviet Union. But the Soviet Union was not, not as, as strong as the United States was. And then at, at the same time, in, in 1949, uh, the Chinese liberated itself from what they call a century of humiliation, I guess, counting from the Opium War, when 11 uh, colonial European colonial powers occupied China. And so China was suffering from uh, feudalism, you know, the old feudal system. And from colonialism, where the uh, colonial powers uh, occupied China and uh, exploited the Chinese people. And that's why uh, many people like my grandfather and my father uh, were forced out of the country uh, to come to Canada to earn a living for themselves and, and, and for their families. So in '49, China declared uh, liberation from, from the past. And so within, uh, at least within my living memory, uh, that, that's been the, uh, the, the dichotomy uh, between uh, the, the American uh, hegemony and other countries who are trying to liberate themselves 
uh, from under the control of the uh, of the American uh, hegemony. Uh, so ch China, for a very long time, remained a very poor country. And I don't know uh, when your parents uh, came to Canada, but I'm sure a lot of people here in Canada, uh, Chinese people in Canada, came uh, when China was trying to rebuild itself in the 50s, 60s, and even the 70s. And, and, and so, so that, that's the historical context. Uh, of the Chinese people and the Chinese government. And I guess since the 80s, uh, since the, uh, the political upheaval was over uh, in China at that time, uh, to try and find a, uh, a legitimate you know, approach to building uh, Chinese society, uh, I guess it, you could say it started in, this, in the 80s after the uh, Cultural Revolution. Um, so in the last 40 years, uh, China uh, was able to alleviate, alleviate uh, poverty, where they brought out, out of poverty 800 million people. And, and as the uh, president of, of China, Xi Jinping, uh, said, uh, you know, the, the greatest contribution that China can make to the world uh, is to keep 1.4 billion people uh, from starvation. And, and, and this is the essence of what the Chinese are doing. And so in the meantime, the Americans don't like this because uh, you know, they, they don't like to have a, a major power that is competing with them and they don't want a, a major power that is uh, that's offering people an alternative uh, to their uh, way of life. And so Obama, after the 2008, oh, yeah, 2008 was an inflection point uh, in world history because of the uh, uh, financial crisis, the 2008 uh, uh, financial crisis, which hit hard uh, the Western capitalist world. Uh, and, and, and so it was, uh, China came out of it uh, fairly, uh, fairly in good shape uh, because of, of the its, uh, socialist system that they had. Uh, so Obama... And Clinton, and now you have Biden. Uh, that uh, that whole team came up with the uh, pivot to Asia, uh, China containment uh, strategy policy. And so what that means is that it was a mainly a military uh, strategy. So they, so they moved sixty percent of their fleet, naval fleet, uh, into the Pacific. Uh, they surrounded uh, China with about 132,000 troops, uh, new troops, and set up their bases in uh, South Korea, in Japan, in the Philippines, and and so and, and also their uh, occupation of Afghanistan. So militarily, uh, China uh, has been uh, encircled, uh, and so in order to uh, to defend itself, China. You know, build up some uh, bases in the atolls and and reclaim islands in the south and east uh, uh, China seas. Uh, but even there, uh, the Americans would not allow uh, the uh, the Chinese to do that in peace, and they keep uh, saying that uh, you know this is a demonstration of of Chinese uh, aggression. You now these uh, these bases are what within two three hundred miles of the uh, Chinese uh, mainland, uh, whereas the American bases 
about three or four thousand miles away from the American main, mainland. So, so who's, you know, who's being aggressive and who is not? But nevertheless, I guess the most important thing is that China does not. China wants to break out of this encirclement, this military encirclement, but not militarily. Uh, they are doing it by developing their infrastructure, by developing uh, their economy, and by developing the, the well-being of their population. And so that's why you know, over 90% of the Chinese people uh, are fairly satisfied with the Chinese government. And in comparison, you have, what, 30 35% of, of Americans who are satisfied with their own government. Uh, and, and so, but, but the Americans don't tell you this. So, so this is, uh, you know, this is what's happening, and it's a clash. It's a clash of ideologies. It's a clash of uh, of civilization, really. Uh, and so, um, this is where we're at. And Canada uh, writes the, uh, the the coattails of the Americans. And so, what the Americans say, uh, Canada pretty much follows suit. You know, the Americans were the first to declare so-called genocide uh, in Xinjiang, and Canada was the second, you know. <laughs> and, 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 and I think there's only a handful of countries in the world that actually went that far. Uh, whereas even the um, American State Department uh, lawyers say, legally, this is not genocide. And they cautioned the uh, Secretary of State, Pompeo, uh, from making this announcement. But Pompeo was a, uh, an ideologue. And so, uh, and, and there are many ideologues here in Canada as well. So, so that's where that's where we're at. And uh, but nevertheless, I, I I can say the all these things, but at the same time, I want to unite with others within the Chinese Canadian community. Now, put aside the home country politics, put aside the home the the ideology of hate of division, and, and, and let's come together to defend our community against racism, against the uh, you know, Asian hate that we're facing today. Because uh, those who, who, do, who want to raise these issues as points of division you know, are actually doing a disservice uh, to our community. Because we can put aside these, uh, these issues, these ideological issues, because we cannot really solve them uh, on our own. And, and come together and, and unite as a community. And I think this is the, probably the best way uh, to counter the, uh, the anti-Asian racism that, that, that we face today. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole point of uh, having you on the show and uh, like uh, our exchange we have so far. Uh, my question, now let's go on to the, go back to the newspaper bit um, a bit. So, and do you think that uh, the lack of representation of uh, Asian communities inside mainstream media on newspapers uh, in TV series is a problem for uh, for anti-Asian hate or any other type of racism? Um, well, uh, this is a, a mixed uh, question. It's a, it's a mixed answer. I guess your question is quite clear, but my, my answer is going to be mixed. Uh, in the media, in the media, uh, you have people who pretty much think as a pack, okay? Um, if you work for the CBC, even if you're an Andrew Chang or uh, the woman, uh, uh, Rosemary Barton, uh, you both have to say the same things, okay? Rosemary Barton uh, says it 
uh, with more venom than Andrew Chang, but it's still an anti-China uh, perspective that they, they put forward. Uh, and, and so mainstream media, uh, there's no division, there's no daylight between any of them. Um, they, they are pretty much put forward the same uh, propaganda line uh, on, on, on these questions. Whereas if you're talking about uh, popular culture, yes, we would like to have more and more Asians, uh, Chinese, uh, to participate in, in the popular culture. Because if we see more and more uh, people who look at, like us, and not just as subservient uh, roles, uh, as houseboys or as uh, you know, psychics or as uh, the geek, uh, but but if we can have more and more uh, identification with people uh, who are you know who are heroic and and who could represent uh, the more positive uh, features of of our community, uh, I think uh, that uh, that that would be great because it, it would change some minds, especially uh, little people, uh, young people who don't often see uh, Asian faces, uh, you know, in, in shows and, and and on the screen. Because, you know, we've been conditioned for many, many years, uh, I, uh, <laughs> more years than you, um, that, you know, that especially in, in American culture, American films, uh, that, the, that Asian men uh, were weak and were effeminate uh, and, uh, and not capable of, uh, you know, of being heroic. Whereas they exploit Asian women with the uh, with the fetish that they have uh, for Asian women as being a, being a demure, um, uh, sexually uh, available, uh, you know, obedient uh, uh, Asian woman, and so these stereotypes that they 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 bring out in 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 the uh, in the film industry in the American culture, I think it's sl- we're slowly you know ch- uh, chipping away you know at that. Uh, by having more and more uh, people of Asian descent, uh, you know, featured as uh, you know, as lead actors uh, in heroic uh, roles. Um, and coming back to the newspaper, I want to just uh, add to what uh, Mr. Deer has said. So, uh, uh, we recommend a book called um, "Yes, Manufacturing Consent" by Noam Chomsky, which explains the concept of uh, mainstream media and the selection of the right personnel for. Uh, the production of news really well in that book. I believe Mr. Dia would also recommend that um, as one of the resources oh, yeah. for students. Yeah. Um, next next question is actually regarding Canada more in particular. So the uh, the policy or the 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 facade, let's say, of multiculturalism within Canada. So Canada has um sort of been picturing itself as like a multicultural country. And do you think there's a, a some degree of truth to that or it's still just like a uh, an illusion that the government is making to keep e- exploiting the division between minorities. Yeah, that 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 that's a that's a very good point um, in terms of uh, using uh, multiculturalism to uh, to divide. Uh, multiculturalism, um, I guess, started in the in the seventies by Justin Trudeau's father, uh, Pierre Trudeau. Uh, and like I said, it was more to, um, I guess, to put uh, Quebec nationalism in its place than than promoting uh, other cultures as such. 
uh, and because by promoting other cultures, then he's trying to say that Canada is not just uh, the the English and the French, uh, and there are the other cultures in Canada, uh, which is no, which is probably uh, a reality. Um, but the multiculturalism that they wanted is the song and dance kind of multiculturalism that uh, every year, Asian uh, Heritage Month, uh, we come out to uh, put on these uh, uh, dragon dances and these uh, fairy tale uh, you know, dances and uh, enactments from, from these uh, you know, cute uh, Asian uh, <laughs> you know, uh, history. Uh, and so that's, that's probably their vision of multiculturalism. Uh, my 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 view of multiculturalism is to have culture and the arts to depict the history and the everyday experiences of Asian people, Chinese people, and, and this is where I see some of that coming out in terms of novels, in terms of uh, plays, in terms of songs, music, uh, dances. Uh, that Asian Canadians uh, do uh, to represent our heritage in terms of experience and our struggles uh, within uh, within Canada, and and so so multiculturalism does give us a bit of space to do that. And if we, you know, if a person places uh, cards right, uh, you could probably get a grant uh, from Heritage Canada uh, to to do some of this. Uh, a provocative uh, and dare I say subversive uh, activities uh, to promote uh, our culture and, and our experience here in Canada. Uh, now, maybe one last thing I'd like to say is that in Quebec, it's a little bit different. There's very little space uh, for a minority culture in Quebec. Uh, and, the, uh, and the doctrine in Quebec is that you have to uh, call it uh, uh, interculturalism. They don't like multiculturalism. And essentially, interculturalism means that all other, all other cultures revolve around the uh, Quebecois culture. And so, so your, your culture and my culture would have a reference with the Quebecois culture. And so, 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 so that, that in itself does not give us uh, too much sp- space uh, to uh, to express ourselves. Okay, understood. And um, so, really, two different models between the rest of Canada and in Quebec. And do you think we have to approach uh, the question of multiculturalism or in Quebec interculturalism in different ways, or sh- are there still similar um, strategies that minorities c- uh, and Asians can employ uh, within this two system to renegotiate their power? Well, I I, I don't think. You know, we we need to have that in mind all the time, and to negotiate it in different ways. Uh, I think what we need to do is to express ourselves uh, through our cultural works, to express our history, to express our experiences, uh, to express our culture and 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 struggle. You know over the last 150 years that we've been in this country. And as long as we're true to ourselves in doing that, uh, I think that kind of work, cultural work that we're doing, will speak for themselves. 
and uh, and, and 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 by putting it forward, uh, you will establish yourself as either uh, multicultural or intercultural. So so it's, there's there's no point to debate the politics of multiculturalism or interculturalism. Uh, you know, this is as much as debating, uh, you know, Quebec nationalism uh, with, uh, you know, auto or federalism. I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not our debate, let's put it this way. It's not the b- debate of the, uh, of the Chinese Canadian community to have. You know, uh, we, uh, we do not want to get, up, uh, get caught up in this dichotomy of languages, you know, which we should try and speak as many languages as we can, and uh, and, and 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 but the, the main thing is to push our own uh, culture uh, forward. Okay, perfect. Um, Faya, any questions? Um, what would you say to those um, different groups of people in the Asian communities who have different ideologies and set for and just um, that are totally indifferent of being united. What do you say to those people who are don't believe in uniting in Asian communities and only in for their own group of interest? Okay. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not really sure uh, what people uh, you, uh, you're talking about, um, but um, the only thing I can say is that as a uh, an activist, as a cultural worker, that um, we need to know what our identity is, uh, and 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 also to take pride uh, in our identity. So first, you have to be aware of what your identity is, and secondly, take pride of uh, of your identity. And by doing so, then you can move forward uh, with that in mind. So people who want to divide us or who want to divide the community uh, from the community, from within the community, uh, I don't know what their motives would be. Uh, well, I know what some motives are, but uh, but I don't want to get into that uh, that debate right now. Oh, perfect. That's, um, well, then that's okay if you don't want to get um, into that debate. Um... Then let's uh, move on to the some more recent some more recent events, and we'll finish off with that. Um, so first, I want to uh, address some of the the still the la- lasting impact of uh, the yellow peril and the impact of anti Asian racism, and link it towards um, the recent Atlantic shooting. So, well, how does the 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 legacy of uh, the systemic racism back in the days against uh, Asian uh, impacted this um, this event? Oh well, well, that's deep within the psyche of 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 American culture because uh, you know the yellow peril uh, it, it, it's always there. It's never been uh, in the same way that uh, uh, anti-black uh, culture is always there. The Ku Klux Klan uh, still has uh, you know influence uh, you know on the American culture, and so to top it off, uh, you know you have other layers. Of of anti uh, Asian uh, thinking uh, related to uh, to women, you know they 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 see women as 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 the um, uh, you know easily uh, available uh, sexually uh, whatever else uh, they want uh, fantasize uh, Asian women to be and and, and so uh, and so I think this is what uh, this. Uh, 
this shooter, uh, you know, was thinking. I mean, to to him, uh, Asian women uh, were not human. Uh, they were a commodity that he can dispose of uh, anytime he wants. And this time around, he uh, he decided to kill him. I mean, that's the ultimate uh, disposition uh, of uh, you know of people that he does not like or he fantasizes about. Uh, and, 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 so, and so this is where the, um, the dangers of having a um, yellow peril ideology, uh, because people get killed, uh, people uh, you know, get hurt uh, when you uh, carry out you know, this kind of thinking to, uh, to the extreme. And then you have these people who uh, might want to uh, explain it away, uh, this, this, this problem by saying, oh yeah, but it's only just one pe- person. It's, but it's not just one person. In fact, if it's just one person, it's, then it's one person too many. But this is an outcome of the uh, culture that you have. I, you know, I, I, so many layers of this. Now you have the gun culture, you have the uh, anti-Asian culture, you have the uh, culture of, uh, fetishes uh, for uh, Asian women, uh, you know, and so it all rolled up into one and it came out with uh, the death of, of six, the six Asian women, uh, you know, in this one event. Uh, but, uh, you know, but this is something that we need to um, remember. Yeah. I mean, it's been, what, uh, a month or two now uh, uh, and people f- quickly forget, but uh, this is something we, that we need to remember, mark it. As a milestone in our fight against, uh, you know, against uh, Asian hate. Yeah, um, I know you have a lot to say about this topic. Do you have anything to add? Sure. In terms of political apathy, there's a high degree within Asian community itself, and there seems to be a gridlock in uh, Asian uh, uh, in participating in politics. And what do you say to those um, people who have the interest of going to politics who are uh, in Asian descent? Um, well, you do, you, do have, you do have quite a few uh, Asian people participating in politics these days. Um, you know, more and more of our community is being integrated uh, into, uh, into society. And part of that is the, uh, the political uh, participation. Uh, you have members of parliament and uh, members of the legislature legislature in, in Ontario. Uh, I guess in Quebec, we don't have anybody like that. Uh, but then Quebec's always a you know, generation behind the rest of Canada in terms of uh, race relations. Um, but, uh, you know, these, a lot, yeah, the, the only thing I can say is that you have to really be part of the establishment. Uh, in order to participate in electoral politics. Uh, you have to have the money, you have to be part of the establishment in order to be acceptable uh, with, the, uh, with the parties, with, you know, with the established parties uh, that, that are there. And if you do step out of line, then you get, uh, you know, you get sidelined. And, and then you have a ceases after you saying that uh, you're agents of China. You know, if you say anything sympathetic to uh, to the Chinese government or go visit China, uh, you know, then CSIS comes after you uh, yeah, for security reasons, and, and and so and so this is what uh, you know many uh, Chinese Canadians are, are faced with. 
these days, and and they don't have a free hand in uh, uh, you know in participatory uh, democracy, as they call it, uh, because you're always under uh, scrutiny. You're always under uh, the telescope of of, of Canadian so-called values, uh, under the telescope of uh, of uh, you know, Canadian security apparatus. So, uh, so, so, so we just have to be careful, and uh, it, it makes it very difficult for uh, for someone who wants to do good uh, to uh, to participate in uh, in, in Canadian uh, parliamentary elections. Thank you. Thank you. That, that I think that will address to a lot of students who are listening to this podcast. Make sure I make sure they uh they they heard well. And Henry, uh, do you have any more questions uh, leading up to that? No, I think we are pretty good. And um, yeah, I want to close off by thanking Mister um, Dear for coming on to the show, and uh, it's been wonderful. I personally, I learned a lot. Uh, and and I think this kind of discourse really um, conducive to a greater unity between uh, Asian community and also other minority as well. So uh, again, thank you for Mr. Dear for coming on to the show. And uh, yeah, let's go close off with that. Thank you everyone who tuned in to listen. I hope you enjoy listening to this episode as much as we did during the interview. If you liked this episode, learned something, or just want to help out a bunch of students, please leave a review, write a comment, and share this on social media. If you are listening to this on YouTube, please subscribe and write to us in the comments. All the books and other resources recommended by the interviewee are in the podcast description slash video description depending on your platform, and depending on when you see this, you might be able to use our affiliate link to purchase them. The Marianopolis Addendum podcast is actively seeking local sponsors here in Montreal. So if you are interested, please contact us at the email linked in the description. All the profit generated by this podcast will go back to fund our club's activity. If we have any surplus, they will be donated at the end of every month to a local charity. This episode was edited by Henry, and the artwork is done by Camilla Huang. The producers and guests associated with this episode may express their opinion, but this podcast does not support any political parties. We only aim to bring different perspectives on different issues through the free exchange of opinions and ideas. We look forward to seeing you at our next broadcast. Cheers.